0: Welcome to the Old Dog New Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff West, and I'm going to spend some time talking about tech and looking at how the old dog weighs really on all that old. I'm going to look at some integration ideas, discuss some successes and failures, and show you that it's really not about being perfect but it's about being patient when it comes to integrating technology. I'm a high school educator, been teaching music band for most of my career, but I am a a big tech enthusiast, and I really enjoy uh, researching and finding answers and ways to integrate tech that don't take up so much time. Let's get going. Welcome to episode 30. I'm Jeff West. This is Old Dog New Tech. I'm glad you're with me. 30 episodes turning away. On this episode, I am going to talk about Control-K, my friend. At least this week, it was my friend. Quite a bit in the past few days. I like to use uh, keyboard commands to do things that you can do with uh, right-click. And so this week, I've been using Control-K a lot. It's holiday concert time. And I decided I would create uh, Google Slides as an online program. And, uh, of course, I'm going to print a few extra copies, some paper copies. But I'm going to put a QR code on there so that my online program will be linked and people can go and take a look at program notes and a few more colors instead of paying for a color program. I'm going to try that out. I've tried it before. It's been had mixed success, uh, mostly because of the infrastructure or Wi-Fi, but it's a lot better now. They've made a lot of great changes, so I'm going to give it a go. And the other thing I did is I had students uh, help me a couple weeks ago. gave them an assignment to create program notes, gave them examples of what it looks like, and uh, and so I'm including that in this program. So, But in this, I have provided a lot of links to sources that I use to get the Information that I'm putting in the program. And so I used Control K a lot. And I thought I'd spend some time in this episode talking about why this is so important, why to link to your sources and provide citation. And this week's tech treat is a review of a previous tool, but it has a little different twist. So let's start talking. Are you a control freak? Oh no, not someone that has to control the environment around you, but do you use control C or X or V or Z or A or my new best friend, control K. C or copy and X or P- cut V or paste or Z or undo, which is my second best friend. Lots of undo. And or A, select all are or, or on my regularly used list, and I know there are many others. But Control-K is a great tool to have under your fingertips, and you may not know that it has uh, many features that can help you model and teach digital citizenship, particularly in reference to copyright or fair use or uh, resource Mm -hmm. citation. Most of the time when I give a presentation to my students, I do not always do a great job citing my sources, but I found that if I am using online sources, citing them is so easy with Control-K. If I'm using a specific text or charts, of course, I'll use a MLA or APA format. But in most cases, I th- I link a word or words to the online source and list the web address at the end of my presentation. And Control-K is a common stroke that I use. And when I do, sometimes I have already controlled C and then I Control-V into the link box that appears after I Control-K. All right, all right, I'll back up, I'll back up, I'll slow down. Whoa. There are two primary skills that Control-K will help with uh, in any Google app. But I'm focusing on Google Slides because that's what I use to make my program and that's what I use for my daily agenda and I embed those either on a website, or in this case, we use Schoology now, so I put it in Schoology. So when you use Control-K, you can enter the word or site that you're looking for, and options will appear below the word that you type. And you can click one of these, and it will be inserted and linked automatically. Now, you're going to want to check and make sure that you have the right link, so you want to click on that, but... And go to that page and make sure that yeah, you know, that's what you want. Um, but this is incredible. Uh, it's an incredible tool to have control of. Pun intended, <laughs> control of. So I use Control K to insert the exact address that I highlighted. Highlighted when I actually I went to the page that I am citing information from or using, and I took the information by c- tr- using Control C. I go up into the address bar. Highlight the address, and then I control C. Then I go back to my slide, and I highlight the text or text box. You could use, yeah, you could link an entire text box. So if you wanted to just do a picture, say click the picture to go here, if that's what you wanted to do. In my case, I would say if I'm talking about the treble clef, and I'd highlight the word treble clef, and then maybe uh, link to a site that talks about the treble clef or whatever the term is that you're, that you're using. So I would highlight that text. I'd press Control-K, and then you get um, uh, two boxes, one that says Text and one that says Link. So in the Link box, you want to put your cursor in there and Control-V to paste. And probably in the Text box, if you highlighted text, the text you highlighted will show up. If you wanted to change it, you could do it there, or you could uh, create the link and then go back and you know change it in your document, up to you. So when you're in edit mode in slides, you can click the link that you created, and the address will appear in a little separate um, um, box. If you actually want to see if that link works, then click on that link, and it should take you where you want to go but when you present the slide, uh, the link will connect to the address. You won't get any extra box. Uh, Control-K also will link slides within your presentation. And if you right click a slide and select skip slide, you can create a home slide that is linked to to all the other separate slides within your presentation. So let me see if I can paint a picture of how this is useful. So if you're teaching multiple terms or functions that are associated with one concept, so trees, and then different types of trees with information and links to other areas about each separate tree, you could have one page that lists maple, oak, dogwood. We're getting to the length of my tree type uh, knowledge. You could create that home slide with text boxes, maybe a picture of each in there, something, and um, with the word maple, okay? And then you're going to highlight the word maple, Control-K, and you'll get the, that um, link um, set up boxed, and you'll want to click right below where it says link. It says slides in presentation. So when you click that, all of the slides you've created Will show up there even if you hide them. I believe is what PowerPoint calls them, but we, uh, Google calls it skip. And you can click whatever slide you want them to go to when they click Maple. I think that's pretty cool. It's almost like a, a, a little mini website of sorts, I guess. But you want to be sure that on each of the slides that have the different terms on them, like maple, oak, You want to have a little area there that says back to home page or home or something like that and then you're going to want to link those words to slide one to first slide so if you're teaching multiple terms that are associated with one particular concept or maybe a couple of concepts i don't know this is really uh really uh, an effective tool One that I've used, I'm using now for my program, so I created a program, put a table in there of all the pieces that we're doing with the composers, but then on each of the titles, they're linked to slides with program notes. And um, I have cited my sources, and in some cases, uh, formally cited, particularly in images. In other cases, if it's biography, I linked to the composer's uh, page. Or the page that I use to get that information. So people could click and go to that place. So be sure to link your, your skipped slides. I had to make sure I put back to program on every one of those slides so that the users can navigate easily between the slides. I'm going to publish the program to the web Utilizing Publish to the Web, it's in the file. If you click File, down to the bottom of that menu is Publish to the Web. there's a few steps that you have to go through. And it gives you a link, which then I use to create a QR code, which I'm putting on, uh, that's available when they come into the concert, or it will also be on the paper copies uh, of the program. So now, on to why, Provide Links to Sources. If you have written a term paper, I think anybody who has done a term paper of some sort has done some sort of bibliography, and providing links in a presentation is kind of an abbreviated example of this. And I think it's important as a in, in digital citizenship, um, but also uh, practicing good copyright and fair use that all students they need to be familiar with uh, plagiarism can be avoided by uh, modeling. I mean, teachers can model fair use of sources and citing other works uh, that we use in presenting. Uh, well, we present, I don't know if you call it a paper, so much as a, pre- uh, a presentation. And, uh, you know, right now in a high school class, being picky about citations may not be as big a deal, but in the future when students present a professional paper or conference session or they write a book and market their own work, it will be very important. And I think uh, the fair use and copyright gets looked over because it's pretty detailed. and can be very difficult to figure out what is fair use. When do I need to call someplace to get a license? I think the question, when you ask that question, the answer is when in doubt, call. Call someplace. Excuse me. Most places, most of the time. Most of the time. You can get the answer, and the, and and the people at the Copyright Office are very friendly and very useful, um, and of course they're useful. They're very friendly and very appreciative of people who are checking up on that because um, I know that this can avoid issues in the future. So it you know, like I said, it may not be a big deal right now, but you can avoid your students can avoid some legal trouble. So we need to get our students to think about fair use and citing sources that they use. They're presenting an idea. Give credit to those that have already done the research. And if necessary, they might have to pay a copyright fee to legally use research, or in my case, music. If they wanted to make an arrangement, write an arrangement of a tune they heard. And it's usually not overly expensive unless, you know, they say, okay, who you're writing it for? What's the use? And you know, you're gonna write it for the Super Bowl halftime. Well, you might have to pay a little more because they know you're gonna make a little more. All of this starts, though, uh, when we are providing links and developing bibliographies. we we model them as teachers. And like i said, i'm not I'm not particularly awesome at this, but I have gotten better because of Control k because I can link things so much easier because I can look it up and then copy that that link address and put it in there so students can do deeper learning. So, Again, it, it's, this has, this branches. It, it's not just about copyright and fair use, but the, we're starting to talk about enhanced learning. The MIT Library website, um, MIT Libraries, I think it's called, put it in my show notes. Uh, they kind of sum it up. They state why citing is important. It's important to cite sources you used in your research for several reasons. To show your reader you've done proper research by listing sources. Um, sorry, let me back that up. Take two, to show your reader you've done proper research by listing sources you used to get your information, to be a responsible scholar by giving credit to other researchers and acknowledging their ideas. So if you show students that just saying something is not as strong of an argument or presentation without showing that you know what you're talking about, I think all teachers can identify with uh, that skeptical student that questions your knowledge. Why do we have to do it this way? What are we doing that for? You know, and they usually ask it in that kind of voice. They don't raise their hand and say, excuse me, I was just curious as to why you are, no, why are we doing it this way? You know, that that pitch that can send you, I don't know, chill down the back or make you grit your teeth or something. Um, So they question your knowledge until they hear from another source or they see the source that you're using. So they go, oh, okay, so Harvard. Okay. All right. So whatever good source. And and of course, this kind of leads us into, we got to be looking into our sources and making sure that they are good sources. Not every student, of course, is this way, but I know when I have a clinician work with my band and the clinician makes similar statements to those that I have made, I see the light bulb moment. I see, I get the glances from some of the students who trust in what I'm saying and what I'm having them do and they kind of look over me and they give me that smile of yeah maybe now they know why we're doing it so that's kind of a that's kind of a, a citation uh, you know I'm giving credit there to the research to uh, myself as having you know uh, done the research and my my arguments and my methods are sound we're not just winging it we're not just i'm not just doing something and hope it works this has been this is things i've studied things that i've witnessed i think all of us as teachers sometimes we we think that just because we say it our students will take on to or, you know catch on to it but particularly as they get older that's not the case and when you prove that you kind of know what you're talking about you're not only proving your validity but you're proving the the method that they will need to use themselves as adults so we have those light bulb moments happen and that deeper learning is taking place. That's why. That's why Control-K is so awesome. I love the link. I love how quick it is. I love that I can put in a word that I'm going to use. So another case and point, you know, if I'm talking, and I'm doing a presentation, I might type things in my slide as I'm presenting to the students, which has shown that it, it will reach them and help learning take place, that deeper learning we're talking about. And those links to that site will come up first or second because they're very common and they're strong links and they're good links. So you want to make sure you're citing and we're, we're modeling. Modeling and that we're linking and because this is, again, kind of the, how the brain's going to work. You're going to link, make, create links to knowledge. Control-K, our friend. It's Tech Treat time. Episode 30, Tech Treat, as I said, is a review, is a twist on an old treat. Don't worry, it's not stale or anything. I think it's pretty fresh, actually. Google Keep calendar and tasks are now available in the right-hand panel of any Google app except for Drive. So if you are opening it on a dock or in your calendar or... Excuse me not your calendar your mail or slides as in my case you look at to the right if you don't see the little calendar icon the light bulb and the yellow note and the it looks like a check mark with a little dot for google tasks if you look down in the lower right hand corner of your window in your google doc you'll see an arrow that's pointing to the right you want to click on that and that will open up the panel and then the, that arrow will point to the left and you'll see your google keep Sorry, calendar, keep, and task from top to bottom. So I've been using Google Keep to take notes during class and rehearsal. And then, as needed, I'll add that text to the slide using the snowman or the three dot menu in the upper right hand corner of the Keep Note. Not of the browser, but of the Keep Note. When you click on that, one of the choices is Add to Slide. So it will add that note to the slide, now wherever your cursor is at. And sometimes the text will come out a little bigger than you wanted, so you'll have to do some adjusting and it won't always be the same font, but you won't have to retype all of that or rethink it. You can just cut and paste or use it exactly. I try to type whatever I type in there would be what I would want to say or have my students read. But again, you might have to reso- uh, resize the font. And don't forget, in Keep, you can also take a picture. Take a picture, put it in Keep, and you can also insert that picture into your slide or document. And there's your tech treat. I hope you enjoy it. You know, I don't always do a closing for my episodes, but I'm doing one this uh, week because I put a lot of sources in my show notes for fair use and digital media law. I just wanted to call your attention to them. One of them I put in parentheses, not updated, because the website itself says that, but there's a lot of good information and other links within there. So if you're curious about fair use, when can you just take a picture off of the website and put it in your presentation? I don't think you can ever do that, by the way. Um, plagiarism today. I love that. Plagiarism today. Um, looking at those rules, because I know that's a, a big issue um, for all high school level and into college, avoiding that plagiarism. It's getting so much easier now for teachers to use a uh, an app or an app. Um, not so much an app, like a phone ca- app, but like an application, online application, uh, turn it in that will check for, for um, quotes that you might be using in your paper, that a student may be using in their paper without citing it. Um, you have to be careful, very careful about that. Uh, students do so. We need to model, and we need to help them understand this. And then, good old common sense media uh, there for digital citizenship. I'm not so sure that it always focuses on the copyright or fair use aspect of it, but when it what but, but being a good digital citizen is not using other people's work and passing it off as your own. So there's always great uh, resources there. So take a minute and click on those links. I think uh, those are, they've been helpful for me. You'll notice that the, some of them say the same thing, so you start to get an idea of what fair use is. And uh, link it in your daily agenda on your Google slide. Put it in your Google Keep and insert it in a slide. I hope you have a good week. Hope you are enjoying my podcast. I meant to have a guest on this week, and uh, our calendars couldn't line up. The holiday season is crazy for everybody. So I'm hoping that uh, the next episode I'll have a chance to sit down with a couple of my colleagues and talk about tech and how it was and is and how they wish it would be. Uh, Until then... If you're listening and this is your first time, you're enjoying it, uh, I appreciate uh, any reviews on iTunes that you can give me. I'm getting a few on there. I could use a few more. I want to get this podcast up and running, and uh, I'm going to stay at it and keep bringing up stuff that I'm doing in class because as an older teacher who typically would be thought of to be someone that wouldn't change, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm enjoying the change. I don't embrace every change, though. So if you're an older teacher going, oh, well, then you're not like me. I am like you. Uh, It just took me a while. But once I got going, um, I'm really digging this. Have a good week. This has been the Old Dog New Tech Podcast with your host, Jeff West. I hope you enjoyed your time. And remember, with EdTech integration, it's about being patient and not perfect.